Hello and welcome to another edition of Irish Law Experience. I am your host, Ilya Glassman. Uh, I'm so excited to be back in the studio. Uh, first time this year. Um, talk about some Notre Dame lacrosse now. I know, unfortunately, last year, um, the season last year was cut short, obviously, due to covid and um but this year uh, look it looks like everything's in place for where you know we could play a full season um hoping everything goes smoothly in terms of you know covid test and all that stuff um but nonetheless i am just so excited to finally be back here to talk about some Notre Dame lacrosse as i mentioned um you know, before we get into um, you know the victory um, last week, um, uh, but even before that, I wanted to be upfront with all you guys and say um, last week I did not do an episode um, before previewing the Robert Morris game because um, due to COVID, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of uh, information about the team, um, about the depth chart, um, so I didn't want to spread. Uh, too much misinformation so I just told I decided um, that I would just wait until uh, the game would be played so that I could get a sense of who we will usually be seeing on the field um, on game days Um, so that's why I just decided to um, open the season uh, a week later um, just so that I could you know I could spread you know Facts and make sure I, you know, get all the players correct and make sure that you guys are um, well informed. Um, but let's begin with a season outlook of Notre Dame. Um, you know, when you look at the schedule, um, let's talk about the non-conference schedule. Now, you look at it, we have, we just played Robert Morris. We're playing Bellarmine this weekend, and then we have Marquette and Cleveland State. Now, I know it's not like usual where we play, you know, Denver, Maryland, um, Ohio State, just to rattle off a few teams. Um, for a couple reasons, we're not playing a tougher non-conference schedule because, one, uh, the Big Ten – um, is doing conference-only games. Uh, they're doing a home and away for each team um, playing against each other. Um, Denver, I'm assuming that there was just some scheduling conflicts because Notre Dame wanted to start the season later, and Denver, you know, they don't want to travel as much, obviously, d- due to COVID. So they took their East Coast trip earlier this month. Um, and uh, other than conference games, you know, they're I don't think they're going to be coming back uh, over to the East Coast as much um, as they did in the beginning of the month. But regardless, um, to kind of make up for the weakness of the non-conference, we now are playing um, six conference games instead of the regular uh, three to four. Um, we'll be playing Duke twice, one home, one away, which will be Obviously, an exciting matchup, and we also play um, Syracuse twice, same thing, home and away, and then we play um, Virginia once and um, North Carolina once, and we, if you are a lacrosse fan, 
you know how tough the ACC is. Um, if you're not an avid lacrosse fan, um, there are five teams in the ACC. Duke, Virginia, Syracuse, North Carolina, Notre Dame. All of them are in the top ten right now, nationally ranked. Um, Notre Dame was actually um, predicted to finish dead last in the ACC, which you might look and say, wow, is Notre Dame that bad? No, uh, Notre Dame is not bad at all. As a matter of fact, they're uh, certainly a championship contender. They're a great team. Um, but when you look at the whole uh, scope, the landscape of the ACC, you have Duke with you know Michael Sowers, uh, the transfer from Princeton. Uh, you have Virginia, who you know are still the defending national champs. You know, led by uh, Doc Aiken uh, over there, and so you know they're going to be a great team. Then you have North Carolina, who before COVID was undefeated uh, with Chris Gray over there, and so and then you also not to mention Syracuse, and we just know how good they are. Um, with you know that midfield line, I mean they they have the deepest midfield in the country. I am willing to admit that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it was just and also on top of that, uh, you didn't know what to expect from Notre Dame. Notre Dame probably out of all the five ACC teams were the most uncertain team because for one, last year we finished the season two and three. We lost to Maryland, Denver, and Ohio State. So you just didn't know what to expect from them this year. And then we also lost our best offensive player, whereas everybody else, not only did they return most of their uh, you know, offensive power, but they actually added some more, uh, i.e. Duke with Michael Sowers. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there was just a lot of uncertainty about Notre Dame uh, compared to all the other ACC teams. Um, but after um, this weekend... I don't think there's any more uncertainty. Um, now, when you look at this roster, this Notre Dame roster, um, you know, you were wondering, okay, so Bryant Costabile is gone. Who's going to, you know, step up um, to be, you know, that guy? And, um, you know, in terms of the offense, Notre Dame's offense, you know, the sum is greater than its parts. You know, we don't have a Michael Sowers or Doc Aiken or, you know, just a couple guys or a Jared Bernhardt you know we don't have that one guy that we could rely on you know we have a lot of good players but we don't have that one great player and uh, coach Corrigan also he did a great job because we if you're a lacrosse fan you know that the transfer portal was basically a free agency pool um, you know there was a lot of Ivy League players and a lot of players that were Gonna tra or I mean, excuse me. We're gonna graduate. Who got granted an extra year of eligibility, and they saw an opportunity to take advantage to, excuse me, go to these you know big time programs like all the ACC teams, you know Big Ten, you know Maryland, Ohio State, yada yada yada, and um, just you know go compete for a national championship this year. And Coach Corgan filled a lot. He addressed a lot of needs uh, with the transfer portal this year. Um, for example, the face-off, you know, that was obviously a big weakness last year. 
Um, we couldn't consistently win faceoffs, get possessions, and you know how important possessions are in college lacrosse. Every possession, you know, matters. You know, you want more possessions than the other team. That gives you the best chance to win. And we go get Kyle Gallagher from Penn, who was uh, one of the one of the, if not the best, faceoff guy in the Ivy League. And yeah, so we go get him, and you saw what he was able to do over the weekend. Winning, I believe it was 15 of 17 of his face-offs. Um, and we also addressed uh, kind of like, it wasn't a weakness, but it certainly didn't hurt us where we got Kyle Thornton, Kyle Gallagher's teammate from Penn, uh, who's a you know defenseman. And he really fits well in Coach Walner's system, you know, as an off-ball defender. He's a you know he's really good one on one. He can go pick up ground balls. He could do he could do it all. He's a very solid defender. And um, sp- speaking of transfers, still like keep going down this list. You got Will York, uh, Sean Leahy, and uh, Lipka. Uh, Will York, the transfer from Bucknell, uh, Leahy from Providence, and Lipka from Syracuse. Um, so they just add more depth to this really really talented offense when you look at this team with all the returning players such as Pat Kavanaugh, Griffin Westland um, and even at the midfield line you got Quinn McCann and um, Wheaton Jack of Boys um, there's just so many great players on this team and not even just transfers you saw uh, you saw what oh, what's his face uh uh, Dobson, Eric Dobson, uh, the freshman from Florida, make a huge impact. I mean, he uh, got an assist like within the first what twenty seconds of the game. Got his first career assist. Got his first career point as an RDA player. Started. He he started. He's a true freshman, and he started. He was on the first midfield line. I mean, that's just shows you how good this guy is, and just how talented this Notre Dame team is, and how deep they are because they. They ran out two, three midfield lines this uh, the entire game on Saturday, which we will get into um, more later in the show. Um, but yeah, just to kind of give you the perspective of meshing these transfers with these returning players who got game action experience last year with those five games. And so this, I'm just so excited for this team because we're obviously a national championship contender um, we're going to compete, even though we're projected to finish dead last in the ACC, we're going to compete in this conference, um, because all five teams are just going to beat the living crap out of each other. Um, there's no doubt in my mind, like if you finish three and three in the ACC, you're a lock for the ACC or excuse me, the the NCAA tournament. And like, you're going to be probably most likely a seeded team. I, I truly believe that. Uh, five of the eight seeded teams could go to the ACC teams. I I really do believe that. I wouldn't be shocked if that actually indeed did happen. But that's just it's going to be so much fun watching this team. You know, just just play. I mean, because you know, last year you know the season was taken away from us. Um, but I'm so glad that Coach Corgan was able to take advantage of the transfer portal address the needs that we needed we filled holes this team only got better from the transfer portal 
Um, we didn't lose anyone other than obviously Brian Costabile, who enter who forego his eligibility. Um, and I guess you know in hindsight it worked out for him. Second overall pick in the PLL uh, with the Atlas had a terrific rookie campaign in that uh, bubble in uh, Utah. It was he had a terrific terrific summer. So I'm sure he doesn't regret leaving Notre Dame at all, even though we do miss him dearly, um, despite all of the additions we have. Um, so without further ado, now uh, coming up next, we'll talk about what happened on Saturday. Yay! Okay, so uh, Saturday. Let's talk about last Saturday. Um, we played a Robert Morris team. Uh, we defeated them nineteen to seven. It was, it was over, uh, pretty much, you know, pretty early. Um, you know, we scored twenty seconds with into the game, and then Robert Morris was able to tie it, and then, um, it was all Notre Dame from there. They led eleven two at halftime, won the game nineteen to seven. Um, and you might think, oh, Robert Morris is not that great of a team. Um, just to kind of put into perspective that Robert Morris is actually like a second-tier lacrosse program, college lacrosse program. They competed with Virginia two years ago in the NCAA tournament when Virginia won it all for a half. They were only down by like five at halftime to Virginia. Um, uh, this year, they played Duke earlier in the year on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, probably most people didn't watch that. They only lost by four goals. They lost 16 to 12. They scored 12 goals on Duke. And we all know that Duke is arguably the best team in the country. Um, and yeah, they only, they only lost to them by four. So, you know, kind of putting into perspective, the fact that Notre Dame won 19 to seven is very, very impressive. I think in terms of the national landscape a lot of people as a matter of fact are impressed with Notre Dame's victory over Robert Morris because what was tricky about Robert Morris was their style of play they um, love to get out in transition they use their uh, defensive um, players they you know to get out in transition and basically have these odd man rushes so that they could score goals um, and they do it pretty pretty well as a matter of fact and then on, uh, you know, when they settle down and have their like half court offense, so to speak, or yeah, like they play like a box lacrosse style, you know, type of offense where they'll just spread you out. It's kind of like uh, in basketball when all five guys are on the perimeter, and you know, you just give the ball to someone, you just let them make a move, you know, you just let them drive down the lane. It's just basically you. And the defender mano a mano. That's basically how Robert Morris' offense is, where they spread you out and they basically run their offense off the reaction of what what the offensive player is able to do in terms of dodges. Um, you know, so it, it's a very you know tough offense to stop because if you get beaten off a dodge, you're basically um, screwed because it's just basically them and the goalie because there's just no it's so hard to slide to these you know offensive players because you're just so spread out so the slides you know have to come a lot quicker and it's really hard to time those up most of the time because if you come too quickly then you it just 
you know, you're basically chasing your tail where you have to chase the ball and someone's eventually going to be left open. But if you come too late, I mean, the slide comes too late and obviously the person you just left is wide open. So the fact that Notre Dame gave up only seven goals and two in the first half when the game was really kind of quote-unquote mattered. Um, so it, it was just really impressive because we knew that this defense was elite. This is the best defense in the country, hands down. I don't think anyone is going to argue when I say Notre Dame has the best defense in the country. You know, Jack Keelty, Arden Cohen, um, Kyle Thornton, those are your long sticks. And then in the short stick, you have so much depth with Tommy McNamara, Jimmy Nelson, uh, you know, just so much depth, uh, not to mention, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, hold on. I'm trying to find it. Hallenbeck. There we go. I, I'm i sorry. I had a little brain fart there. I couldn't think of his name. It was kind of frustrating. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, just so much depth on the short stick D line. Uh, you could just, these guys are always fresh because it's not just one guy you have to rely on. Um, so this, it's just, this, this defense is elite. Now, when you look on the other side of the field, this offense, like I said, it, the sum is greater than its parts, but I love the way the offense just attacked this defense. They were aggressive the entire time. They were putting shots on goal and they were coming from all over the place. Like early in the game when Robert Morris was playing man to man, uh, you know, Notre Dame was able to score pretty easily. They were able to, you know, complete their Dodgers successfully um, and, you know, be able for easy goals. Now then Robert Morris eventually switched to a compacted zone defense, and this is where I really saw growth from the players from last year because really all we, you know, the offense was basically once Robert Morris went into the compacted uh, defense was, look, we'll just give the ball to Pat Cavanaugh uh, behind the behind the cage, and we'll just let him play quarterback. You know, we'll just let him distribute the ball. You know, up top, kind of manipulate the defense in some sort of way uh, to where we can get some shots off, and it it worked. I mean, it wasn't. I would guess we it wasn't a strength necessarily, but it certainly worked because you know Pat Cavanaugh finished with seven assists in the game. Um, but anyways, like you, you saw of how Notre Dame was able to, the offense was able to manipulate the defense. My one concern for this offense as a whole is I, I maybe I'm wrong because it's only one game, but there is a lack of depth in terms of like shooting from the perimeter. You know, we had in the past Sergio Perkovic and Brian Costabile, obviously, um, those guys were absolute snipers. The, I don't believe that this team has one now maybe Dobson is the guy you saw him rip one from like 15 yards out just straight top right corner now it was a pretty awesome goal but regardless this offense uh I love the way that they distribute the ball they're not selfish they their chemistry is obviously amazing you know they've had you know a longer time to you know prepare than most teams because they started the year so early but yeah, this offense just—it just looks cohesive, gelled, and they look so confident. That's the best part about it. Is like they look so confident, like in terms of shooting, like they're not—you know—they're not holding back. They're you know gunning for it. They're really going for it, and you obviously see it succeed on the field. 
even though it's just one game. But it's just still a great sign to see um, how this offense uh, looks. Now, when we look into the stats from last week, now as a team, Notre Dame outshot Robert Morris 57-31, to which is very impressive. We also got more ground balls than them. We actually dominated that statistic 43-22. to I mean, that that's impressive. And then <laughs> Notre Dame, you know, talking about, you know, the Fogos and stuff, won 23 of 30 faceoffs, which is going to be so crucial when, you know, we get, you know, further into the season and start getting into the conference schedule. Because, like I said, possessions are so important in college lacrosse, especially playing against, you know, conference opponents. That's going to be so important. And then we were also two for two on the extra man opportunity, which is also a important component, you know, for a team's success. If you're successful in your extra man opportunities, you're, you're going to find a lot of success, you know, from game to game, you know, or even throughout the season um, to where, like, you, you're going to be a very, very good and dangerous team. So extra man opportunity and capitalizing on those is super important. Now, uh, looking at player stats, um, I mentioned Pat Cavanaugh had seven goals. He had nine points total, two goals, seven assists. Quinn McCann led uh, the Notre Dame scorers with three goals. Uh, Wheaton Jacob Boyce had two. The transfer from Bucknell, Will York, uh, also had two. Connor Lipka, the transfer from Syracuse, had one. Eric Dobson had three total points. Uh, the freshman from Florida a goal and two assists, and then Liam um, had himself a pretty good day at the office, 10 saves and only allowed five goals. Um, he was uh, pulled, I believe, in early in the fourth quarter, and um, my boy Schmitty uh, was able to get in, get some playing time, which was awesome to see. Um, so, yeah, again, 19-7 dominating win, um, just impressive all throughout. The defense looked amazing. Uh, the offense looked just as much, if not better, than the defense, which is shocking to say. Um, and yeah, this is this is. I'm so excited to see um, this team improve, grow, um, getting ready for conference play, and then hopefully the tournament uh, in May. Uh, I think I truly believe that this is a national championship contender. This might be one of uh, Kevin Gore. Kevin Corrigan's, excuse me, strongest teams that he's ever had here. And that's saying something considering who we had back in, you know, 2015, you know, that era with Matt Cavanaugh and Sergio Perkovic. Um, and, yeah, all those guys that you see on the Redwoods Lacrosse Club. So that's saying something. I, I really do think this team is – I think they're even deeper than – those teams and I think they're just as talented as those teams which is great which is great great sign I, I really do like this roster a lot um so uh next we'll be talking about this week's matchup against Bellarmine yay okay I think in my last segment I might have butchered uh Bellarmine's uh, name, Bellarmine, Bellarmine. I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's, uh, anyways, they're uh, uh, lacrosse or their school out of Louisville, um, a small school. Um, anyways, let's let's take a look at them. 
um, what we should we expect from this team and who to look out for. Um, so their record is one and four. Uh, just to put it as a reference point, uh, they literally just played Robert Morris and they lost to them seventeen to eight. So if that that if that's saying anything, um, I don't want to be Captain Obvious here, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, their players to look out for number twenty-seven, Landon Trout. He leads the team with uh, seven goals. He also has three assists. Uh, look out for number thirty-nine, Kyle Playstead, uh, who leads the team in points, five goals, seven assists. Also, watch out for uh, those are by uh, as a matter of fact the only two players that are uh, uh, double-digit point scorers. Uh, Trout with ten, Playstead with twelve, uh, but. Look out for also number 36, Griffin Bowie, who has five goals, and also number 40, uh, Luke Legnard, with all, who also has five goals. Um, now, speaking of goals, uh, their goalie situation is interesting because they've played two guys, so I don't know who's going to start this game. Um, it's either going to be number 45, J.C. Higginbottom. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I could be wrong. Um, he... Has 30 saves. He has allowed 37 goals. He gives up an average of 14 goals a game. And uh, he has a 45% save percentage. Um, and then you, they have another guy, number 16, Ian Riley. He has 13 saves. He's given up 11 goals. Uh, he gives up about 9.5 goals a game. And he has a 46% save percentage. Um, so yeah, they're one in four. That's their record. I think I forgot to mention that they, again, just played Robert Morris. They played North Carolina as well. So, um, I don't, I don't think Notre Dame will have a lot of problems with this team, but they are tested, I guess. You know, they played Robert Morris in North Carolina two teams that are better than, um, you know, Bellarmine, um, North Carolina, obviously, just as talented as Notre Dame. But, yeah, that's just the guys to look out for. Um, I don't really have a lot else on Bellarmine. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll move on to um, my three keys to the game and then my prediction. Yay! Okay, so let's uh, preview this week's matchup with Bellarmine. Um, it will be a 5 o'clock game, I believe. Uh, you could probably find it on um, the ESPN streaming platform. I could be wrong. Actually, let me let me go double-check that right now. Uh, but I do know it's at 5 p.m. It will be at Notre Dame. Hold on. Give me one second. I know I should have probably done this before I press record, but we're here. I don't feel like restarting. So let me just look. Um, let me try. I'm not going to tell you who is playing this weekend because obviously. I, uh, okay, so it will be on the ESPN streaming platform, ACC Network Extra. Uh, I still lie to you. It's at 4 p.m. Um, I believe I saw Bell Bellarmine's schedule and it said 5 p.m., but I guess it's at 4. Um so, anyways, 4 p.m. ACC Network Extra will be at Notre Dame Stadium. I heard some rumors that they're allowing students in the game, no general public, which sucks because I want to go to a game. Uh, but I'm instead stuck uh, watching it on my TV. 
sitting on my couch. Um, anyways, let's talk about, I want to talk about my three keys to the game. Uh, pretty simple and vague, I guess. Uh, number one is to start fast and to keep the momentum going from last week. Obviously, uh, tremendous week one performance. Um, if you see, if you saw anything of how drastic your first week's performance could be to your second week performance, uh, just go look at Syracuse, uh, where they lost to Army week one, and then you saw them kick the brakes off Virginia last week. So I want Notre Dame to start fast, just as fast as they did last week against Robert Morris, and keep the momentum going. Um, and it kind of leads into my second point, where if we could do that, I want Notre Dame to grow their game. Now, what I mean by that is I want them to find ways to improve, um, you know, situational, um, extra man opportunities, um, you know, defensively. Uh, I want them to just find ways of how they could improve from last week to this week, um, how they could be better. Um, and then my third point, I don't really know. Uh, again, I said that um, I'm afraid, I'm a little worried about Notre Dame's lack of um, outside shooting, their perimeter shooting. Um, hopefully we'll see more of that this week. Again, it could be just because it was, um, Notre Dame was so successful, you know, dodging against Robert Morris, and I don't honestly see anything changing this week um but regardless I would like to see some more outside shots see if we could be uh, more efficient from the you know 12 to 15 yard range um so that those are my three keys to the game again pretty simple pretty vague nothing too specific or serious um uh, now in terms of my prediction i Really don't see anything different from happening from last week. Uh, I still expect this offense to explode, uh, and I expect this defense to be just as good, if not better, than last week. So my prediction will be Notre Dame 20, Bellarmine 6. Um, so uh, once again, um, all right, so kind of recapping. Um, Saturday, 4 p.m., ACC Network Extra. Um if you don't know how to watch that ESPN app or uh, find it on your smart, find the ESPN app on your smart TV, um, and uh, it should be under the lacrosse tab, under the watch tab. I know it's a lot of tabs, but regardless. Um, so yeah, it's uh, um, so it'll be again once again 4 p.m. ACC Network Extra. It will be at Notre Dame. Um, again, I'm. So excited to be back. I'm so excited for this season. I'm so happy that they're actually having a season, unlike the Ivy League, which is unfortunate because I feel bad for them because it's so unfair of how all these other Division One schools are able to figure this out, but Ivy League um, doesn't want to admit that they might have uh, made a decision prematurely um, but that will be another discussion for another podcast for another day. This is about Notre Dame lacrosse. And um, anyways, yeah. So once again, uh, Notre Dame, Bellarmine, 4 p.m., AC Network Extra. Um, 
I should be back next week. I will probably I'll I release this on Thursday. I should release next week's episode on Wednesday. I don't think I'll be this that busy. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited. I'm happy that the season is back. I can't wait to see this team dominate again on Saturday, hopefully, Lord willingly. So yeah, uh, uh, thank you for listening, and um, I guess I'll see you next week, and go Irish!